gonna listen to a little bit of uh, some some funk, and then um, and then I'll introduce you real big, and we'll get started. Awesome. Cool. You good? Yes. All right. Very good. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Morning Fuel. I am your host, John Bundy, and you are here because you believe in the power of the spoken word and its ability to change lives, and that by sharing our stories, we can help others to overcome challenges that they cannot overcome on their own. Whether it's a victory you need to win in business or in your own personal life, you understand that the answers can be found in listening to others who are willing to share their stories, knowing that their story ultimately doesn't belong to them. All right, today's guest, after retiring from the Air Force, she and her husband wanted to do something they were both passionate about, and their business was born, from loving to work with their hands and her true love of design. The best thing about her business, she says, is bringing a client's vision and dreams for their home to life, truly creating a space that serves the needs and lifestyle of every family member. Her motto, designing for the way you live. Giving back to the community through public service is a key for her. A method she uses to keep productive is to always learn something new and constantly challenge herself to do something she has never done before. Advice she offers to others aspiring to succeed as a business owner is, if you want to start a business, do an honest self-assessment, discover what you're truly good at and what you love to do, and work towards discovering your purpose. When you love what you do, your days won't be filled with daunting tasks, but it will be fulfilling, especially if your craft serves others. You will be grateful and fulfilled at the end of your day. Please help me in welcoming to the Morning Fuel podcast family, retired Air Force veteran, author of the book, A Diamond Born of Fortitude, community leader, owner of TTC Enterprises and Opulent Designs, Tony Chavis. Very cool to see you, Tony. Been excited to have you in the studio. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So before the Air Force, mm -hmm. as, a, as a young lady, woman growing up, what did you think you, you wanted to do when you grew up? I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grew up, and I'm 50. So, Well, you know, the funny thing is, Number one, I'll say the Air Force was not in my dream. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I never had any intentions of joining the military. But I would say I always liked working with my hands, even okay. as a kid. I was always involved in different things. And in high school, I was the only girl in, in wood shop. You know. Remember when they had wood shop? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I started leaning towards and I was really interested in was actually architecture. So I used to drive, well, I used to draw pictures of horses and architecture. That's what okay. I used to draw all the time. I always told my dad I wanted a Palomino for my birthday. I never did get that Palomino, though. But um, when it came to the architecture, I was really interested in, you know, just shapes and forms of buildings. And I was really leaning into it. And then there was an incident that happened with the Norfolk Scope. I'm sure you're familiar with the Norfolk Scope, right? I am. I, I actually, I believe I went to a concert there at one time. But yes. what, what, what's this incident? What's going on? Well, there were some concert goers there. And, you know, the scope is round. Right. Well, there's no safety barrier at the top of the seating. 
which nobody would ever think of or know because there's curtains that hang down. Well, a student that was there at a concert fell over Mm. and they sued the architect. So right there, I was like, oh, maybe I don't want to be an architect. I don't want people to sue me because something goes wrong. But it was just, you know, as a kid, you know, not really understanding the depth and how things go, you know, with that. Um, That was just something that just really kind of got my attention that there was lawsuits filed and the architect was named in Mm. the in the lawsuit. And I was like, wow, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not ready for that. So I kind of backed off of that. But I had also still been very interested in computers. So in high school, I took computer programming. And when I graduated from high school, I actually started out at ECPI. Okay. Very familiar with it. And I can remember I used to catch the bus from downtown Norfolk to ECPI, which used to be on Virginia Beach Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And I started taking computer classes there. I was working part-time at SunTrust Bank downtown. Uh, I think it was called Virginia National Bank back then. Right. Um, So I was working there for a little while and, you know, things were happening. I was part of a dance company. You know, I'm young. I'm out of high school trying to figure out what direction I want to go, what I want to do. And so I'm in a dance company. I'm working at the bank. And certain things just started happening and things were going on. And I left the bank. And next thing I knew... I ended up active duty military. You just I had, fell out of the bank into into the Air Force. I, I started out in the reserves because I was looking for what I was going to do. I really right. hadn't figured out what direction now, I wanted to go. did you know others that were in the military that kind of could, you could talk to or not really, family in the military? Not, well, my dad was military. Okay. My dad was Air Force. And so I had done a lot of traveling with him. I was actually born in Tripoli, Libya. Um, and my dad was actually stationed in Greece. Tripoli was where they sent all the moms to have their kids because they did not have an OB ward at the base that he was stationed at in Crete. So I was born in Africa, left Africa 10 days after I was born, went back to Greece. Greek was actually my first language, which my mother was not happy about because I'm living in a house full of English speaking people. (laughs) So I don't remember Greek now, you know, with languages, if you don't use them, you lose them. Sure. So I spoke Greek. We went to Germany. I learned German. So at one point I was speaking Greek, German and Spanish. And I've lost it all because I wasn't using it. But I think it was interesting growing up, just experiencing different cultures and living in different places. And so I've always loved to travel. That's still in my blood. Right. So when when you went into the service, did did you go in? Uh, with computers as your background working in that in that field or, or what did initially you do? that's where I wanted to go but of okay. course no computer jobs were available at the time and as they asked me well what do you like to do I fell into that trap that conversation sure and I said I like doing things with my hands so I ended up in aircraft maintenance yeah out of town really <laughs> another place you never thought you'd be. never thought i'd be okay. so i worked on c5s 141s 130s all the heavy body aircraft um and i started out doing that in the now reserves you liked it, though. It, it was it was interesting um and then when i went active duty i went to california i was stationed at Travis air force base and so i was working on the aircraft there and that's when i learned that i should have never been on a t-tail without a safety harness oh so, um, yeah, I had been working 30 stories up um, without a safety harness. I wasn't afraid of heights, so it had never bothered me. Sure. But in California, you know, the winds are an issue. So, okay. you know, somebody told me one day, yeah, you need to go get your harness. And I was like, harness for what? 
what do you, what do I need a harness for? And they're like, um, you're supposed to be attached to the plane when you go up there. And I'm like, right. really? <laughs> now you didn't so, have any incidents where you fell. Did you? No. Did you? Okay. No and, no. and then you find out quickly that safety first, but that harness is a hindrance when you're trying to do some work too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting. I learned a lot of different things. Um, I learned how to do the fuel lines for an aircraft, you know, learned a little bit about welding. So, you know, it was it was all cool. But I think by the end of the first four years, I was like, eh, I don't know if this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Sure. Um, so I cross trained into communications. So I became a program manager and my job was to take care of the communication systems for all new buildings. Okay. So that's where I learned a lot um, I started working on the five-year defense plan. I started learning about communicating between the civilian community and the military community. My job was to be a liaison between the two because everything that we built on a military base, there was still communication with the local community sure. through all of that. So I was doing that job in North Dakota. Um, I started out doing it in uh, Korea. Okay. I was at Osan Air Base in Korea, did a year there which was um, an interesting challenge. Sure. At that point, I was a single mom, and I had a 14-month-old kid. So I left my daughter here in the States and went to Korea, and I was not ready for that. That sure. was probably one of the hardest moments in my career. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to have did, to leave now, my daughter behind. Did, did you meet your husband in the service? Or? I did, but I didn't meet him until much later. Okay. How, 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 how many years did you serve? I did 22 years. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. I don't think, I don't think most civilians understand, you know, that, that you are not yours when you, when you go into the, no. into the service. Yeah, not. So, wow. So thank you. Um, now, uh, in, in reading some of the, the answers you gave to the questions that we asked, um, uh, what touched me was uh, um, uh, you, you had spoken about your mom passing. Now, my mother, uh, she passed, um, I thought I think, way too young. She was 60 of, of cancer, and this was mm-hmm. about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's still hard for me yes. to think about it. Every Mother's Day, every, every birthday that comes around. Um, but you, you said that you, you finally, now I, I saw, you, you finally decided to write a book. Now, mm-hmm. I thought, you said finally, you use the word finally, you've had that book in you for a while. Yes. But you finally decided, talk, talk to us about how, what happened. I mean, your, your mom passed and what, what, what caused you, what compelled you to, to write the book? Well, I always tell people that I meet nowadays that the woman, the person that you see now is not who I was. Mm. I was a very shy, reserved kid. I wasn't the popular kid in school. My mom was very protective. I was not allowed to go places. I mean, I was a kid that really couldn't even go to a basketball game or football game. She was just very protective. And I did not truly learn or understand until much later in her life and my life that she had been through some things in her life Mm. that had irreparably, I guess you would say, scarred her. Sure. And she wouldn't talk about it. So I was always the inquisitive kids. I was always asking questions. Sure. And I realized there was areas that became very touchy, and she would not talk about it. Um, She had been through some serious troubles, some struggles, you know, in her marriage. I lived a life of a child living in a home with domestic abuse. Mm. And it was a very challenging time in my life. But again, 
the incidents, the things that happened, something would happen. And the next day, there would be no conversation about it. Nobody talked about it. And that was just the way our life was. Mm. And as she got older and as I got older and I became an adult, one of the things that I was truly focused on is I never wanted my daughter to ever experience any of the things that I had experienced in my childhood. Right. So knowing that my mom was so reticent about talking about any of the things that had occurred, I realized it was too painful for her. So even though I asked a lot of questions and I could not get answers, when she actually passed away, I actually found a lot of answers in things that she left behind. Mm. She had written a lot of things down. I found letters. I found medical records. I found all kinds of things. She had truly kind of been chronicling things that had happened in her life. Even though I knew she had already gotten rid of a lot of stuff, there was still a lot that answered a few questions for me. And because of the things that I had experienced when I left home, I always say I left home very green, was not aware of what the world was that I was about to step into. And so I experienced so many challenges when I first left home from being in the military, being a woman in the military, being away from home, being young, Um, dealing with relationships, dealing with people and with me being so shy and, you know, kind of closed off to people. I just didn't know how to deal with a lot of things. But through every one of the experiences that I went through, I was learning. I was growing and I was evolving. Once my mom passed away, there was things that happened to me in my life I never told her about. And primarily because I never wanted her to feel that she didn't protect me from something because I know that was important to her to always protect me. Sure. So once she passed away, I felt like, you know what? I have to share things that I experienced, things that I learned, things that I went through because they all helped develop the person that I have become. Sure, sure. And and you're, you're probably very much the... The, the type of person that needs to um, go through it in order for it to in order for it to lock in in order for you to learn the lesson absolutely yeah, sure. absolutely sure. you know now there's certainly things that I wish I had never experienced right but my goal and one thing that I've done is my mom was not one of those mothers that would just talk about everything she just she wouldn't so I have done just the opposite with my daughter from a very young age we've had open and frank conversations. Right. And actually, my daughter can make people uncomfortable because she will talk about things with me, with her dad. And she'll say things in front of us. And people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe she said that in front of her parents. But right. we've, we've taught her to be open yeah. and honest with us. And so all of those lessons that I learned in life, if I can share some of those experiences, some of those lessons and help somebody else come through some of the traumatic situations that happen to people every day that they just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And when you keep things inside, one of the things I learned is that builds up stress, anxiety, and it can take your health down. And I learned that the hard way. Right. So my goal and, you know, I started my Facebook group. Once I wrote the book, I started my Facebook group 
Courageous Women Rise Up. And it's just all about empowering women. It's helping them to learn and understand that no matter what they have been through, I promise you, there is another woman that has experienced the same thing. Right. And I want that opportunity to talk to young women and young girls and help them to learn about some things and grow and learn how to handle some things in life that oftentimes, you know, if, if your parents aren't really talking to you about it or and now, you know, we have our kids have so much access to social media, to the public, the news. They're being fed so much stuff. And a lot of times they don't know how to manage it all. I would love to be able to talk to them and help them to work through situations. Now, mind you, my thoughts were never to become a therapist, but even in my business, when I talk to my customers, and that's why I say I design for the way people live, everybody has their idiosyncrasies. Everybody has those things that trigger them or that, you know, they get memories from seeing something, smelling something, touching something. Mm -hmm. There's things that'll bring back childhood memories, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, what I want to do is work to make sure that when you walk in your house or your home or your office space, it has a common effect. Right. Instead of the opposite. Sure. A sanctuary. That's right. Right, right. Wow. So creating that space, and it, it all has to do with whatever your life was. So nine out of ten people I talk to, I can always find common ground. We can always hit a subject that I can relate. Mm-hmm. And so I try to use all of my life experiences, everything that I've ever been through, to just support and help other people. Now, now uh, conversations with, with our children. I'm, I'm a dad of daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I didn't have a very close relationship with my dad growing up. I did my mom. She, she would listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so very important to me, you know, as my daughters were young was, and, and I, I don't think I, I did the best at this, but I tried, and that was, letting them know that they can always come to us with, mm-hmm. with anything um, and be, you know, still be accepted. You know, we'll, we'll help you work through your problems and troubles and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but keeping, that, keeping that open to where you can have those uncomfortable conversations where other people would look at it and be like, you know, I never talked with my parents like that or, you know, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's really, really good. Right. Um, now, at the end of your book, uh, you wrote uh, an affirmation, and I just want to read it and then ask you a question about it. Okay. Um, it says, um, I am determined to carry the strength of my ancestors through every test and trial. My wisdom comes from experience. I may bend, but I won't break. I still have much to do. Don't ever mistake my kindness for weakness. Tell me I can't, and I will. Turn out the lights, and I'll light a fire. God is not through with me yet. I am a diamond born of fortitude. And you had, um, in the words of Maya Angelou, still I rise, phenomenal woman, that's me. Can you give uh, our audience, me included, an example of a time where someone told you that you can't, but you did it anyway, you proved them wrong? Do you have have an instance or something that you can... Wow. There's... Probably so many. Sure. But probably for me in my day and time, joining the military was something that I kind of was being told wasn't the norm okay. for a woman or for a girl. Right. 
working on aircraft. I went into a male-dominated field. Sure. So, of course, I ran into my challenges with that. I mean, my first duty station, 220 men and six women. Mm. So I always ended up being the minority in more ways than one. Sure. But every time somebody told me I couldn't or they didn't think I was capable, I had to prove them wrong. All right. So, right. you know, and I feel like, you know, everything in life is always a challenge to you. But the older I got, the stronger I got, and the more determined I always right. became. Right. And, you know, one, one fun freedom that I'm finding as I get older, too, is um, I really don't care what people think about me. You know, I mean... I, there's there's always a part that does. You want to be seen in a good light and stuff like right. that. But when it comes to, to what you like, how you are, mm-hmm. who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and then, of course, my daughters and I talk, we're, we're, we're people of faith. We mm-hmm. believe in God, you know, so so knowing whose we are as well. And and then when you have that understanding, it really, you know, you're, I'm just going to be me. You're just going to be you. And that is where your freedom yeah, comes right, from. Right. Absolutely. When you don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. That's right. I worry about what one person thinks of me, and that's God. Right. Absolutely. I want to be pleasing in his eyes at all times, and that's what I focus on. Yeah. And then there's so much freedom in that. Yes. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So um, before I ask my last question, Mm -hmm. uh, where's the best place people can uh, connect with you online? Um, Well, they can obviously, uh, I created my my website not only for the business, but just so that I can connect with people in many ways. So www.tonychavis.com. Okay. I kind of created that just clear, simple webpage. Right. And they can learn about me. They can learn about my business. Um, That's where you can find my books. Um, that's where you can learn more about what I believe in, how I'm connected to my community. I just kind of decided to put everything all in one place to make it easy for people to learn about me. We'll add that to the show notes uh, as well so people can reach out to you there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. So last question, um, as a business owner and as, Mm -hmm. as, as someone who's, who's, who's out in the community and important to you is, is, is helping and, and doing good things and lending a hand out in the community. What do you need most right now? Um, I, I would say probably one of the things I need most is just that con- continued connection with the people in my community. Um, getting an opportunity to breathe the president of the chamber, and now I'm the immediate past president. But to me, that opened up so many doors in connecting with people in general yeah, in the your community. Your county chamber of commerce has been phenomenal. Yes. Love it. Yes. I, I mean, I've met the local officials to know who the leaders are in the community, connecting to other people who are in organizations, nonprofit organizations. Um, you know, I've, I've been a part of the Social Butterflies Foundation which is all about supporting people with lupus lupus and fibromyalgia, which I also have. But just being able to connect with people, um, being in the community and just reaching out and being a part of every bit of it has just helped me to support others and find resources because that's one thing I always tell people. I want to be a resource to others. So even if I don't have an answer, I know who to call and I can connect you with somebody. So no matter what the situation is, I always say, you know what, if I don't have an answer, I'll get you one. So that's, that's probably the most important part. Nice. 
Tony. Very, very cool to meet you and get to know you. Look forward to, um, you know, making those connections in the community with you. It's good yes. stuff. Yes. Thank you for reaching out to me. And you did it many times, but I appreciate you doing this and giving me an opportunity to be a part of your program. And I hope that something that I've said or something that you shared about me will be beneficial to somebody else. Well, that's why we do this. Uh, very, very, very honored to have you here. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, very cool. Very great to meet you. Thank you. All right. Thank you.